Hello, in this week's episode of Midlife AF, me and my delightful son, who is known at home as Bug, will be talking about what it was like to be a kid with a mum who had problematic drinking, what it's like now with a mum who doesn't drink, (laughs) what it's like and what our family journey has been around neurodivergence. And also we're going to talk about what it's like to be trans and the things that trans kids need us to know. That's it. We'll see you in there. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, Come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF, where I will be interviewing my delightful son, who goes by the name of Bug in our family. Are you okay if I call you Bug in this podcast? Bob? Yes. Cool. So Bug and I are going to talk about a few different things. I'm going to talk about what it was like being a kid growing up with two parents with problematic drinking, what it's like now if things have changed, um we're also going to talk about our journey as a family around um neurodivergence and what I think is going to be particularly helpful and interesting for other parents of teens who might be exploring this too or might be talking to their parents about this is the, what would we call it, bug? Um, being gender. The experience being gender, being trans. Being trans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have to skirt around the term trans. No, but it would be, be, but some people won't be trans. Some people's kids yes, might will. Trans not. is an umbrella term. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. an umbrella term. Transgender is an umbrella term that encompasses everyone who's not cis basically okay i didn't know that that's really interesting see there's so many interesting things we can learn from buck so buckle yourself in we're gonna have a very straightforward conversation and bug may also correct me because i might get things wrong because i'm learning and that's also really fine okay so we'll start off where we said we'd start off so buggy bear Yes. Is there anything that you remember particularly 
about when I was still drinking and what impact that had on you as a child? When I was, when I was, you actually stopped drinking when I was quite young, like 12, 11. 2020, I stopped. So yeah. you would have been 11. Turning 12. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I do remember is I can, whenever I think about a lot of my memories as a kid, I have like, you know when you have smells that come with memories? Yeah. A lot of the time, a lot of memories of me at night in our house, or really anywhere, there's, like, the, the smell of wine that accompanies it. Mm. Because a lot of the time I was around you and you would always have a glass of wine with yeah. you. And so that scent just really kept with me throughout my childhood. Mm. It was just a very familiar thing that I always smell. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily like the smell of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. It was a lot of the time you and dad would be would be drunk by the end of the night, especially on um what are they called? Weekend nights. Mm-hmm. Um, like especially Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah, especially Fridays. Yeah. Um What was that like for you? It was rather annoying because I would want to be tucked, but I, I, I would want to be tucked in, and you would be like, I'm busy. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, are you going to read me a story? I'm tired. Then you want to read me a story, and it was really messed up. Um, But I'd say it took away from a lot of our family time. Mm. Because a lot of the time when we would be doing stuff together, you and dad would be drinking. Mm. Yeah, true. Very true. And have you, is there anything different? Does it feel different having me having changed to not drinking? Does that feel different to you? And you don't need to praise me, by the way, it's not a... It's, I'm interested in what your experience is like and if it's changed or not. And, yeah, that's it, really. I feel like you're more present a lot in a lot of situations because, obviously, you're not drunk mm. or you're not, like, preoccupied with, like, the drink that you've got with you. Um, And I feel like because it, it's also kind of a combination of you switching jobs, switching career paths, yeah. but I feel like you have a lot more time to spend with both of us which is really nice because you're not spending it drinking or at work and it's just it's really nice to be with you more nice things to say um because like like you're present like physically and also like emotionally and mentally yeah more present for sure I know I still struggle with because my like I know that work is a place that I escape to yeah um because it's kind of a, I don't know, it's an escape place for me. I, I enjoy my work, so that can be a bit problematic as well. But we're doing our best, right? Yeah. Everyone's just doing their best. That's it. And that's one of the great things that you've taught me, that I talk to people about, that you taught me from a very young age, is 
that concept that everyone's just doing their best. So thank you for that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about our family journey to uncovering our neurodivergence? Yes, I would love that. I'd <laughs> be lovely, lovely, absolutely lovely. Um, I don't even know where that impression is from. <laughs> um, but well, I suppose it would start when we were like little, because remember you talked to me about how you used to listen to books about mm. neurodivergence when I was little. Mm. Mm. So why did you why did you stop that? The tables it was... turned. I'm questioning you now. <laughs> no, I remember reading a book called Smart But Scattered, um, which I think is again I haven't revisited it, but I think it has. Um, I think it's definitely related to kids with ADHD, maybe neurodivergence. I probably need to look at it a bit more. Um, and I remember them having a sort of like assessment thing. And but I think for me, the journey into neurodivergence was very much driven by you. Yeah. Um, and your, you know, kind of insistence, a bit like many, many things in our lives. Um, you saying to me, Mum, I think I might be ADHD, and me going, Oh, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> a bit like I did when you were back. It's and... ridiculous. Your back is fine. <laughs> no, your child has scoliosis. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, we ended up going and seeing a paediatrician, didn't we? And yeah. you were diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. And then you were very insistent as well that you were autistic. Yeah. And I know me and Dad were really like, we're sure Bug's not autistic. <laughs> and we were like, Bug's going to be really disappointed when he gets the results back and they say that he's just ADHD because he's so invested in being autistic. And then, of course, they came back and said he was autistic. <laughs> <laughs> I remember on the car ride, the dad yeah, kept being like, Oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prepare yourself for like, you know, like you, like you could be wrong. And then, and then I was like, No, I'm autistic. I'm autistic. And I remember sitting in the cafe after we got the results back. So we went to a little cafe afterwards to to look at the papers, and just I just feel like <sighs> pleased with myself. Yeah. And you guys are just like, <laughs> <laughs> and so we we discovered that you were um, ADHD and autistic, and. I think it's important as well that we talk to the audience as well about why terminology like ASD isn't something that we use or isn't. Do you know? Do you are you good to talk to that? Yeah. Mm. Well, we use the term ASD. The term that we don't use is Asperger's. Oh yeah, but also ASD is more um, implies well, as a disorder, whereas um, it's not a disorder; it's a disability. Exactly. Um, 
and yeah. Asperger's is an old terminology. Similarly to quite often when people find out their kids are autistic, they preface it quite often with, oh, you know, but just only a little bit. <laughs> or, Which is level, not, or level one. Not or, a thing. Or, You're not a little bit autistic. You either are or you aren't autistic. Yes. And the other it's, thing... It's, it is not a straight line spectrum. It is more of a pie chart with a bunch of different little triangles that are the different symptoms that that um change in severity. Someone sure. might have really bad sensory issues but be pretty good at socializing and maintain good eye contact. Someone might have really low um really really like they they just don't have they don't have any sensory issues, but they might be uh okay at socializing and great at eye contact. Mm. Mm. Um and also what a lot of people in the community talk about is the fact that you know how you are on one day doesn't necessarily reflect how you are on another day yeah it's a very it's very flexible it depends like some days you can be firing all cylinders feeling like you've got everything under control and some days you know quite the opposite um so kind of human yeah um and I know for oh my god that's crazy autistic people are human I know right um they're people that's right autistic people um but one of the things that's been interesting for us in this journey has been um I don't think as a family we had any we I don't don't think that we necessarily um made like I don't think we were nervous to be autistic and I know that some families are nervous to be autistic I don't think we were nervous to be autistic in that we thought it was a problem that we we would be a problem for us yeah um and in fact I think we found it quite empowering actually as a family yeah um and actually the label the labeling and everyone's different on this but the labeling's been useful for us useful for us and helpful you know in order to get funding for more support help and just to understand ourselves a bit more it's helped us work some i love to swear on the podcast yes helped us work some shit out yeah um, and part of our journey into our way of parenting, which is different to a lot of other people's parenting, is we um, we have had to let go of a lot of things that traditionally people hold very tightly onto. And swearing and things like that is kind of one of those things that it's like, is this a hill that you're going to die on? Is it going to be... Um, something that you want to want to make a stand on there's some things you want to make a stand on and other things that you just have you just let go right pick your battles that's right pick your battles exactly and what we before we got the diagnosis what we were trying to do was to get our kids to behave in the neurotypical way which is you know control base so like I want you to do this therefore you do this if you don't do that then you are not 
a good kid. You're not, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And that was really, really damaging to our relationship with each other because all we spent our time doing was nagging. And all the kids spent their time doing was not being able to do what we were asking them to do. And so they ended up feeling crap about themselves and we felt like we didn't have a relationship with them other than just to be nagging them all the time. Their mental health was declining, our mental health was declining, we were all getting really burnt out and it it wasn't working for us so we had to look at it a different way. Um, which might explain some of the things that we talk about between me and Bug because we... I think one of the most important things for us as a family is that we show up authentically with that we can show up authentically with each other. Yeah. Be ourselves. Warts and all. Make mistakes and apologize for it. So wrong with warts. Nothing. Um so that's been our sort of journey into neurodivergence, hasn't it? Little, yeah. I mean, in, in a nutshell, I mean, there's a lot of different other things that we can talk about. Um, we can talk about society and all those kind of things, um, school and all those kind of things. That's so cute. Um, just for people listening, Bugs just made a beautiful sculpture out of putty. Um, slime or putty or whatever you call it. Yeah, it's putty. putty. I don't like slime. It's too um, sticky. And... Then the next piece that we were going to talk about, which I think is really interesting, because I've had a few parents say to me, oh, you know, I'd really like to know more. And I've had psychologist friends say, I'd really like to know more. I'd like to understand more about being trans and what that means for our young people now. Also, the connection between neurodivergence and the propensity to identify as trans. Um, I'm using trans now. Yeah. Instead of what I would have done before was probably gender diverse. Is that wrong? It's not. It's not wrong. It's not wrong necessarily. It's a perfectly fine term to use. It's just like it's good to normalize the word trans. Okay. Yeah. Because in the, in the same way that autism has you know um, Rain Man as you know, kind of probably what a lot of people of my generation think of autism as being like. Um, trans has, you know, it's kind of like Robbie Williams in, um, what do you call it? What was that? Mrs. Doubtfire. Damn, you really mean Mrs. Doubtfire? That's not transgender. That's a transvestite. Yeah, so in that, and that's, but that's what a lot of my generation would think that that's what trans is for a lot of my generation so can you explain the difference between that please well actually i could go into a very detailed explanation a very simple okay so a transvestite is someone who enjoys um dressing or acting in a way that would usually be um like would usually be done by the opposite sex or gender and then they are then they then they identify as and that is not anything to do with your brain it is just people enjoying wearing different stuff 
it's just people because your gender expression your gender identity is very different it's just them expressing their gender in a different way than than a society's norm okay so but, they but they, their gender is still what they were assigned at birth it's just that their preferences no no not necessarily it's the well it's like for example i'm kind of a transvestite like you know i i identify i'm a trans man but i still i I love prancing around in my little dresses and skirts and wearing makeup but in a performative way Mm. it's that is how i like to express my gender but it doesn't really but it doesn't represent my gender necessarily Mm. Mm. that's interesting see i'm learning so much already so tell us a bit about um are you able to talk to the um the high occurrence of being gender diverse and being neurodiverse because I, I know from my uh, my reading that there is a connection yes there is um a link to it a lot of the time uh t- autistic people are more likely to identify as things like non-binary or genderqueer because it's autistic people are more likely to disregard a lot of social norms and social ideas because they like just don't understand why they can't do that as well it just doesn't it actually the thing is it really doesn't make sense and so when autistic people try to rationalize it it doesn't make sense to them so they disregard it because a lot of the time um a lot of um autistic people think quite like logically yeah yeah and and I know, having studied the PDA side of things, that it's which is um, pathological demand avoidance. There's something in there as well, particularly around you know people telling other people what they should be. Yeah. Does that apply? Because uh, I know that's an ADHD thing as well. Is that sort of like you know quest for autonomy and not being told what to do? Yeah, I think that probably does play into it a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that. So let's um, talk a little bit more about, are you able to, do you feel comfortable talking to your own journey with discovering your gender? Yes, I I am. So I, well, I've always kind of felt different. Join, <laughs> join a club. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've always kind of felt different within myself, especially around other girls. I'm using quotation marks because mm. I, I never was a girl. My brain was always a boy's brain mm. because they've done studies on this. They have done, they have done studies on this and transgender people actually, when they do the brain scan, they they have, um, the brains of the genders that they were, uh, um, the, of the genders that they identify as it's really interesting it's really interesting interesting. it's a really interesting study yeah um but uh and that also kind of comes along with being autistic yeah I didn't really like understand a lot of things about them and I've always kind of been kind of tomboyish kind of 
Yeah. Yeah, like I've always had like relatively short hair. You've just, to me, you've always been quirky. Uh, other girls and delightful and I remember when you were in grade four and you finally had that teacher who was like bug at his cronies and because bug found what grade is it you found that your your good friend grade two grade two my besties my for life and they're all like the most amazing kids very very different to kind of the standard and I know no no kids are standard kids, right? But yeah, there's just things like a typical child. Everyone's different. Yeah, but they we were, were quite nice different, and they and they and they clicked. And so Bug's been very lucky in his journey, and also because I think he's a very cool kid of finding other kids who appreciate his quirkiness, and he appreciates their quirkiness. Yeah. I was he's always, always had a tribe, really, haven't you? Yeah. Really, since that age. Yeah. It's kind of a lost for a little bit, but yeah. then I found my people and I... you found them ever since, haven't you? Yeah. And you sort of attract your people now, don't you? People yeah. Say. Yeah. And so what would you... So you were, we were talking about your journey, so you're always a bit... That looks like a womb. You were, <laughs> just for the people listening, bugs making things out of um, clay. Um, so you were feel you felt sort of a little bit different to other people. You didn't feel like the other girls, the typical girls, and then what else? Well, um, and I actually I did have like because I remember you being brainy. very dressing very like you always like loved history and you'd always be in like big flowy skirts and like I loved it I love history still it's my special you'd be like somebody from the olden days and we'd be like we'd go to like Sovereign Hill and Bug would be the only person like in full like 1800s dress um Mm the 1800s such an interesting time (laughs) (laughs) um but when did you sort of really start identifying as a different gender from the gender that you were born to when when would you say that you started sort of articulating that to other people uh I'd say grade five yeah I remember the first thing I identified as was gender fluid yeah which I actually hadn't told you at this point I Mm. came out to you I when I was non-binary which was a Mm. bit later in grade six I think I came Mm. out yeah um but my I told my friends I thought I was gender fluid because I this is actually I think this has something to do with like because you, obviously I've I've always been surrounded by really big feminists mm. like you I love you <laughs> I love you <laughs> I'm a feminist I'm a feminist I'm a feminist I love women I love women platonically I love men I, I love women um go women go ladies but, <laughs> go yeah. girl bosses but slay the day away <laughs> but um I I feel like I really internalized a lot of that. Like there was, there, I really there was for a long time. I really didn't want to come to terms with the fact that I was a boy. Mm. I always skirted around it. Like I like my journey was I'm gender fluid. No, I'm gender fluid. I like identify as a man a lot, but like I also identify as a woman and sometimes non-binary. And then I was like, 
I don't know. I'm I'm non-binary. Okay, I am non-binary. And then I started flitting between so many other terms that are vague. And they're totally valid. All of these are totally valid terms. There are so many people that these terms sit so right with, like genderqueer. I am genderqueer. <laughs> Lying. Um, like non-binary, gender fluid, like bigender, trigender. Like those are all super valid. There's a lot of people that identify those. And they're all they're not all good people, but they slay agenda. Um, but I was just I just didn't want to accept the fact that I was a man because I did feel a connection to femininity which I do express now with my dresses and stuff but I think that's because I just like grew up so not like man-hatingly but just (laughs) so proud of being a woman Mm. that I didn't want to let that go Mm. 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 yeah makes sense yeah and I think that's some of the reason why it can be quite difficult for women when their sons or um female assigned at birth kids who identify as male um tell them because they can be a bit like oh no you're going to you're going to the patriarchy side <laughs> which is silly as well because that's but it's it, it comes up for people a lot yeah um because I've heard people that I know talk about it can we turn off the heater I'm like really hot yeah. Sorry, distracted. Um, and then I suppose, really, you told me, and then you've kind of grown into your, 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 you know, being really open about your trans, yeah, identification and your. I've always found the pronouns quite uh, confusing because I struggle with remembering things so it's problematic or just pronouns in general general yeah i just yeah you you regularly hear him yourself i do and i hear him everybody (laughs) um not that that's an excuse to not an excuse um but it is a reality yeah um but talk to us about pronouns a little bit and how important it is to ask and to um try the Your thing hardest. with pronouns is it is basic human respect. That's the thing. It is like the because you see when you see someone as human, you use she, her, him, she, her, they, she, he, they. Um, but if you don't see someone as human, you call them. You don't see if you don't see something as human, you call it it. You use it, and that can be really powerful. Pronouns can be so powerful because if you're not addressing someone by the correct pronoun, then they kind of feel like you don't see them as who they are. Mm. Mm. Thank you. That's helpful. And it's, you know, it's important as well, I think, you know, when we get corrected to take that on board. Yeah. Um, And also don't profusely apologise one sorry and then correct yourself that's good don't be like oh i'm so sorry i'll never do it again i'm so sorry because you probably will do it again just feel worse so just go oh i'm sorry insert correct pronoun continue your sentence (laughs) um 
So tell us a little bit about what is helpful for a young person who is starting to voice their um, true gender to their family. What is help? What would be helpful? Most important thing: listen, listen to them. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to. You don't. You don't really have to get it. But it's just important that you listen to them because mm. they know themselves best. Mm. Listen to what they're saying. Take it on board and ask questions if you have them. Because a lot of the time they're like more than happy to tell you because they're so happy that you accept them because there's so many people that wouldn't. Mm. And you know that that shouldn't be the reality. Everyone should be accepted, of course. But it's just so important to to listen. Mm. That's what's important. I think it's a really important thing for a human to be listened to, isn't it? Yeah. To be listened to and believe. You have your experience, it believed. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else? I think we've probably covered most things. Is there anything else that you would like to share or talk about with regards to gender or neurodivergence? We can do another podcast if we want to. Or if anybody's got anything they want to ask. About. Oh my god, we, we should always... do a Q&A episode. Yeah, we could do. Send yeah. your questions. So you send your questions in and um, we'll get back to answer them. I'll answer yes. them so well, you'll be blown away. <laughs> Everyone will be speechless. <laughs> Buggy, anything else that you want to share? Um, Not really, to be honest. I think we covered a lot of really good stuff here. Yeah, great. All right. Well, thank you very much, Buggy, for coming on my podcast i really appreciate no it lots of love bye, bye. <laughs>Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.